Hey everybody, there are a ton of ways that you can follow us online. We've got our website, realnerdspodcast.com, that you can go to and you can read articles and find the podcast episodes there as well. If you like social media, you can follow us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or on Twitter and Instagram at Real Nerds. You can also call us anytime and leave a voicemail at 720-6-NERDS-5 and then we'll play your voicemail on the show. Thanks for listening. I hope you like us. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for 10 years, the Real Nerds have been bringing you our review of a new movie of the week. This week, that movie is News of the World, starring Tom Hanks. Stay tuned to the end of the episode, where we'll tell you if you should see the film, play the trailer, and then spoil the movie. We also talk about movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, movie news, and stuff we've been watching throughout the week. We like movies. I don't think we just like them. I think we love them. I do love movies. It's like a comfort food to me. Yeah, you know, no, I'm pretty always... sure we hate them, right? We hate movies. Maybe, maybe, maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> TV shows all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're 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 for that other uh, medium that's destroying the cinema since the 1950s <laughs> and just will never stop. A year of not seeing them has drove me to hate them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If I can't have them, nobody can. <laughs> Actually, I, I, it feels like things are slowly like trickling to getting to normal. <laughs> Here, here's a question, Ryan. Did you yeah. think? Did you think the pan? Like, obviously, they had a lot of new, uh, old releases, like flashback uh, releases, uh, mm-hmm. coming out to get people back into the theaters. And I looked on the listings for Sunday, and I looked to go get my tickets for uh, News of the World at the AMC. And down below it, near the bottom, was two showtimes for the Shawshank Redemption. And I was like, in what world are we bringing the Shawshank Redemption back? I hope that's the movie that saves movie theaters. <laughs> it's the most popular movie on IMDb. And you know what? There's That's one of the few times where IMDb is correct. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I like the movie a lot. I don't know if it's as great as it's made out to be. The IMDb Top 250 is a whole pile of garbage. I agree, Corinne. There's no Jack Benny films on there. But I like that the Shawshank Redemption is that high because it is that uh, heartwarming of a film. Even the only though list, there's a lot of dark shit going on. <laughs> the only list that matters is the Real Nerds Top 100. Coming soon. Yes. That's right. I'm really excited to actually put that together. Mm-hmm. If I've already done not it. number one, I swear. <laughs> well, I meant like all of us do mm-hmm. it. Yeah, well, it should be a fun time. Yeah. Yeah, mine, of, mine was... Uh, mine's pretty much done. I literally just took all my film explosions <laughs> and went from there. <laughs> Well, the thing, I, I would like to do that, too, except, one, I haven't been on the podcast that long, and two, a lot of the films in my film explosion list were not reviewed on the podcast. That's like Wolfwalkers, the... yep. Soul. We never yep. reviewed Soul, which is a travesty in and of itself. No, Corinne, Ugh. but we reviewed Honest Thief. And if Honest Thief <laughs> is not far, far, far away from that list... I, I will be a sad man. <laughs> Honest Thief, number one on my list. <laughs> God damn you, Corinne. God damn you. <laughs> oh, and it's right under Tiger King. <laughs> well, we should um, put a caveat on this. Just because it's number one on your list doesn't mean it's going to be the number one movie on our ultimate list. No, I we have realize to realize that. We have to. But I will fight for it. 
And, and, and it, oh, sorry, go ahead, Brad. As I say, the, the point of not just letting you put every movie you saw over the course of 10 years on the list is that they would end up just being listed your film explosion list again. Right. So by limiting the movies available to you, you know, condenses. not necessarily because there are plenty of movies from like 2017, 2018 that I didn't see at the time, but I've seen now. And I'm like, I would definitely put that on, you know, if, and when we redo our film explosion, 2017 lists, I will have a different, te- I will have a different list because I've seen more movies from that year now. Yeah. But then you also open it up to like retro watches. Like, you know, I saw back to the future many times since then, like what would stop me from putting that on my list? And then, you know, the list becomes, you know, like every other list, you know, by limiting it to just the headliners of the week for each of the, you know, this is 500 episodes. It's about the episodes. So question, does that mean any of the retro titles we did technically count? No, I took those off just because like, again, I like, you know, evil dead is just going to be Ryan's number one. And we're going to be fighting in the first, like the last round over. Yeah. So, I sorry, mean, Ryan. it, it I mean, belongs yeah. up there for sure, but yeah. So, so Ryan, uh, North by Northwest isn't eligible for number five to make Cary Grant part of the film explosion list here. So sorry. Well, I know the, right. the Phantom uh, Menace is on there. 3d release. Yeah. Well, that's cause it's a re-release 3d. Yeah. They did something different, you know? Yeah. yeah but plus then like Ninja Turtles is going to be like my number one, <laughs> you know, like it's not really a, a, a good debate, you know? <laughs> right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We're that'll, that'll be coming into May, I believe, or yeah. June, no June, first week of June. Like we had Star Trek two the same week as the Denver comic-con documentary. And so mm-hmm. I just, I took two out, you know, because we had that movie that week, so there's right. other retros that got kicked by the wayside. Because yeah, again, Star Trek Two, we'd all have it like way up high. Yeah, oh well, I because I've never seen it. <laughs> You've never seen Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, Corinne? Nope. Okay. Okay. So not a real nerd. No, hey. no, that's that's not that's not necessarily it. It's just. Uh, I need a hug. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Let's unspool some real news. It's real news. I have here a message from the internet sphere. Um, I can't wait to talk about our movie this week. Anyway, um, so... Ryan, I'm confused. You need to help me figure this out because the news told me that Chris Evans is in talks to return to the MCU as Captain America. And then Chris Evans tweeted news to me. So <laughs> what's going on here? Well, he's not going to, if they'd have been announced it, they're not going to say that he's, he's come, that he's not going to confirm that he's coming back. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just. It, <laughs> Did you see his tweet with the emoji where he's just like, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> I'm telling you, they have a Disney Plus show already set up. He took the Infinity Stones back to where they belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So totally. all you have totally to do yeah. is have six episodes of him returning Infinity Stones. Or, or I have a theory. He could uh, be sought out by Ironheart to consult on something. 
because because then it would be an Iron Man connection, and that would be interesting. Um, but I doubt that'll happen because none of the things I want ever happen. Anyway, I mean, but, I would definitely like to see him return the Soul Stone. Yeah, that would be cool. And confront that the Z- Zelda whatever that Zorloff guy. I can't remember his name. Zach, you say no one ever does nothing you ever want comes. They made you Mank, Zach. They made you Mank. Yes. And they made you the Invisible Man, which literally ended the world. That that, that is true. That that is true. I forgot. I did destroy so, the world. Karen, it was my you bad. Say the Soul Stone. Do you mean his like arch enemy, Red Skull? Yeah, yeah, Red Skull. <laughs> I was trying remember? to think of his real name. You did you could you call him Zorbot? <laughs> he's literally a skull that's red. <laughs> yeah, but I was trying to think of his real name, not his that's, comic superhero name. Yeah, Ryan, I've that's got a Johann qu- Schmidt. <laughs> sure, Ryan, I've got a Red Skull quote that will sum up what Corinne has just done. You are failing. <laughs> uh, first Avenger. First Avenger was a was a main review for you guys, right? Because that should just yeah. be number one. That should just be number one. That's a good movie. Yeah, it is a good movie. Um, but anyway, moving on from uh, the MCU um, to uh, a different type of universe, uh, Amazon Studios decided, hey, we're going to spend over a billion dollars making a Lord of the Rings series. And for, for, for close to years now, my response has been, why would you do that? Um, but now we've got a bit of a synopsis that will um, basically explain everything for us. Uh, this is the synopsis. Uh, Amazon Studios' forthcoming series brings to the screens for the very first time the heroic legends of the fabled Second Age of Middle-Earth. This epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and will take viewers back to an era in which great powers were forged, kingdoms rose to glory, and fell to ruin. Unlikely heroes were tested, hope hung by the finest of threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen. It's the Cimmerillion, guys. It's the Cimmerillion. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the Cimmerillion. They kept saying it wasn't going to be the Cimmerillion. It's the fucking Cimmerillion. Um, which I must confess that um, I've read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. I have not gotten through the Cimmerillion to save my life because I found it impenetrable. Doesn't mean I won't try to pick it up again now before this series comes out. Um, but yeah, that's basically the history of the elves. It's like an elf elf Bible, if I'm being correct here. <coughs> um, so anyway, um, we're getting the Cimmerillion, guys. That's what the Lord of the Rings series is going to be. And a billion dollars better make it worth it. Um, let's move on to another universe. Wait, do you think um, Peter Jackson's just like, you know, he had to fight to get as much money as he could to make the other Lord of the Rings movies and then just like casually giving these guys a billion dollars to make their own? He's just slipping it on the table like, here you go. Take it. Take it all. I, well, I just want to see worth, it. I don't want to have anything know, to do with it. <laughs> $300 billion. Who cares? <laughs> Wait, is he making it? Or someone else? No. I have nothing to do with it. It's, no. that, it's that bald-headed fuck right there up in America. Yeah, I have nothing to do with it. Wait, um, what, is, what, what voice are you trying to do, Zach? That was awful. It, it's Peter Jackson. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That doesn't even sound anything like a New Zealand accent. I understand that. And I understand that I'm being incredibly disrespectful, Ryan, and I apologize. That's, um, like, that's like tiny Taika Waititi. The thing about, like, that's a good idea for a cartoon show, Brad. Tiny Taika Waititi. Like, like really, really uh, meek Korg. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Doug used to say. Good luck, Doug. Oh, good luck, new Doug. Anyway, um, 
Ryan, uh, can we move on from the Lord of the Rings world no. to the to the Justice League world? What did you want to say, Corinne? I was just going to say... It doesn't matter what you want to say! <laughs> I've, I've never been able to use a rockism ever in my life. And now you have. I just have. I'm sorry, what were you saying, Corinne? Oh, I was going to say that the thing about the Lord of the Rings is that the original trilogy they filmed... All, they filmed all three movies at the same time. So I'm sure, like, if they had filmed the first one and then they had seen, like, what a massive success it was, that they would have given them, like, a bigger budget for the second and the third one. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what happened with Star Wars. But, yeah, because they filmed all three at once to try to keep costs low and, you know, just, like, book everybody up in one sitting. Well... That's what happened. Well, then they also found because of the budget they had, they said, well, we've got to create absolutely new technology. Mm-hmm. And um, and then it, it changed the entire world. Um, as far as them spending a billion dollars to make the Simulrillion, uh, I don't um, begrudge them that if they've got the money to do it. I just hope that um, uh, it employs plenty of people and uh, keeps some form of filmmaking going throughout the industry. Um, cause what it's... the hell are they spending a billion dollars on? Are they buying a whole country? Are they going to like make Middle Earth out they're... of Corinne, like they're... just dump a bunch of land into the water and just like form it out of the ground? That that that's a great theory. Another theory is they bought New Zealand. Crypto style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They bought New Zealand. Think of it. It's perfect. They they've gotten rid of COVID completely. Uh, their government seems to run pretty well functionally. So naturally, Jeff Bezos wants to ruin it with capitalism. So anyway. <laughs> um, but what's going on with the Justice League? Uh, what, what's going on with the Justice League? Uh, seems like everything. Uh, but um, uh, uh, I guess an update in the Ray Fisher world is that he will no longer be playing Cyborg in the Flash movie, um, which is an extension of his ongoing conflicts with Warner Brothers over the accusations he's made towards the studio and to Joss Whedon. Um, but the bigger one is that I guess you mean that they're how completely vague they are. Every time yeah. I read something he puts, I'm like, dude, what are you even talking about? I don't want but, anybody to be, you know, treated that way, but it's so vague. I, I don't know what to believe. I, I just don't know what that, the reason why I'm be, I'm, I'm being like, like vague myself about it, Ryan is because I'm honestly not sure because every tweet I see seems like it's just like veiled information. So I really don't know what's going on. Um, uh, but, um, regardless, it sounds like he's now out completely. So it, uh, uh, hmm. I, I, maybe I'm, you shouldn't I'm, say shit about the guy who signs your checks. Well, it's, he, apparently Gal Gadot had some things to say about not being happy with her experience with Whedon, but she didn't reveal much further information either. Um, so that's, again, I only know like surface level stuff and just the fact that he's tweeted vague things. Um, but anyway, Snyder's Justice League movie that was kicked around um, has now become the Snyder Cut, which we thought was going to be a miniseries. And he's just said now, apparently, it's now just a full four-hour movie. Um, and my response to that is, just give me the thing and let's stop talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, Just two more months. Buried, two more months. Buried in the announcement of Last Action Hero coming on 4K because of what brad and i have done yep um is uh that there is a ultra hd release of Zack snyder's justice league planned for march so 
I'm guessing it's releasing in March. Okay. Yes. So if you go to yes. di- the digital bits and look in their uh, 4K releases, they mention it. Okay. Well, then we should and see- they confirmed today that there is an Ultra HD of My Fair Lady, Corinne, coming out. <gasps> I don't even have an Ultra HD player. Is that a thing? <laughs> Loser. Yeah, I don't have an Ultra HD TV. What I don't know. <laughs> if I got it, would it even work? Yeah, what, I've got what? a HD player, but or Ultra HD player, but no Ultra HD TV. So it, it, it still, works. Still plays. Yeah. Mm. It's okay, Kryn. Your Betamax player works just fine. You don't need anything else. Um, but anyway, uh, moving on. Um, wait, wait, wait! That wasn't the only Justice League news this week, Zach. I'm not sure of any other Justice League news, so you'll have to um, elaborate. Well, I mean, it was just only all over my Twitter feed, but... Um, oh, Harry... yeah, 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 the Martian Manhunter thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, This Harry is from last Lennox... week, Corinne. Don't try to bring your last week news into this week's show. I didn't... I don't know what you all did last week. I haven't heard that episode yet, so... We didn't, oh, yeah, so... We didn't talk about it. <laughs> well, yeah, anyway, Harry Lennox, who some people might know from The Blacklist and also The Matrix sequels... Um, and, and Man of Steel. He, Man of Steel. Um, he is confirmed that his character will be Martian Manhunt. Will be revealed as Martian Manhunter in the Snyder Cut. Cool. Which so had been rumored, but now it's confirmed. So he'll be on screen for one... like two minutes and never heard from again because DC came out and said that that's a one-off film and <laughs> nothing from it will ever happen again. Uh, what? <laughs> Yeah, I hope My not. Man. I hope we get enough momentum that we can, you know, basically peer pressure them into releasing a Martian Manhunter movie, which would be amazing. And only like Martian Manhunter is one of the founding members of the Justice League, so let's just say that right there. Okay, he needs his own movie, everybody. Why do you like Martian Manhunter so much? Because he he has like the coolest powers. Okay, that's one aspect. He has the coolest powers, right? He has invisibility. He can um, phase through matter. He can use tele- uh, telepathy. He can fly. He's got super strength. So he can do just any So he's like every DC her- hero where they just keep on giving him superpowers? No. They, they can't find a villain to match him? Yeah. No, he he's has a like- villain. I just think like his story... So he is from Mars... And he's like the last, he's kind of like Superman in that like he's the last survivor of his race of green Martians that was wiped out. So he like lost uh, his wife and his children and like everyone he ever loved. What and wiped he, out the Martians on Mars? Uh, the white Martians. The white Martians. Uh, yeah, it was basically genocide um, that the what? white Martians took out the green Martians and John Jones fled to Earth. So he's a refugee. So I'm like, yeah, I think it's this is a story that is relevant for our time, especially because, at least in the media that I've seen, uh, John Jones tends to shapeshift and live out his daily life as a uh, man of color. So, yeah. are, are, are there still white Martians on Mars? Uh, like in real life, no, but in the <laughs> in the comics, uh, yeah, I think think there are. So civilization that is very much like what's going on right now is in the comics and they've just not, despite the moon landing, they've missed the uh, whole Martians on Mars type, like all the space stuff since Mm. the sixties that they've mirrored in the comics. 
uh, there's they haven't caught on to the white Martian civilization on Mars. I mean, maybe they. I'm pretty sure the white Martians can turn invisible too, so that's probably why. So the whole so it's like uh, Thermosphere, but on Mars. I guess I don't know that much. I don't know that much about the white Martians. I just know that John Jones is he's a character who is relevant to our time, and he has the coolest powers ever. I and have also Harry Lennox. Okay, I'm I'm gonna just say Harry Lennox is super underused on the blacklist. Like he is one of the better actors oh on that show, God. and they do not <laughs> use him to his full potential. And I really want to see him get like his big break, and I want this to be it. So Harry oh. Lennox, I hope you get your own Martian Manhunter movie. Well, now it's weird that he was in the Man of Steel and that maybe Superman and did nothing. Like he, yeah, he I know, saw right? all that go down. He just sat like sat on his ass and like. Let, let Superman fumble around with it. Yeah, probably because he wants to fly under the radar. Maybe we'll get an explanation for it in the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Zod's actively destroying Metropolis, and then he's at the end of the movie and like, how can I trust you? <laughs> um, oh, by the way, I secretly have powers. It <laughs> yeah, It's probably retcon. Um, Corinne, I have a question, because you mentioned a lot about Manhunter Martians, White Martians. Do any of these Martians have an Illudium Q36 explosive space modulator? What? No, what I don't know. What R- R- Ryan might know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, he had to fight Bugs Bunny at one point in Daffy Duck. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a little Martian and things make him very angry. Oh, Marvin the Martian. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Anyway, can I move on to some news, though, that does connect to my dumb joke? That would be sweet, though, if Marvin the Martian was in Justice League. I would be down with that. I mean, they're owned by the same company. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even put Harry Lennox in. Just just put, like, animated Marvin the Martian in the movie. (laughs) I would be down with that. Oh, that little boy is very fast. <laughs> get me Darkseid and then get me Red Redditon. <laughs> oh, all this cross all this cross contamination of franchises is very frustrating. Um anyway, um so there is some Looney Tunes news coming down the pipeline. Um so first of all, um we're gonna get some more Looney Tunes cartoons, as we already know. Uh January twenty first, twenty twenty one. Uh, we are getting 10 all new episodes on HBO Max, but this is some news for Henry uh, in the sizzle reel for HBO Max. Uh, they tease some things such as Mortal Kombat and Suicide Squad and Space Jam 2. We finally got our first look at Space Jam 2. Uh, there's a picture of LeBron James looking scared at something and Bugs Bunny in the background out of focus looking even more scared of something. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Space Jam 2 is actually happening. Did not think this thing would actually ever happen, but there we go. Um, in the sizzle reel, we also got some more stuff for Godzilla vs. Kong, which has been confirmed to be a day and date release on both theaters and HBO Max. Um, in September, we'll also be getting The Many Saints of Newark, which is a Sopranos prequel uh, featuring uh, James Gandolfini's son as young Tony Soprano. Um, also Judas and the Black Messiah, which is making its a premiere up on Sundance. Uh, and then Tom and Jerry, the movie, the matrix Four, King Richard and all those lovely things. So a lot of things to look forward to, uh, in HBO max land. Um, <clears throat> let's see, we're moving on. Um, there's some Kevin Smith news. Uh, 
he finished the first draft of his new version of Clerks 3, and he shared uh, a portion of the first page, uh, and it seems like it's going to feature My Chemical Romance in the opening. Uh, according to the script, uh, Welcome to the Black Parade plays uh, throughout the opening sequence of Dante coming up to the store. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know. Brad, you got any thoughts? I mean, it's just like a literally like three paragraphs of the script, but... <laughs> Uh yeah, and uh, like I don't know. I I Clerks is such like a '90s soundtrack to me. Um, I, like I love that album, but mm-hmm. it's also a really long song. So it, I don't know how much of he's gonna, how much of it's gonna cover the intro. But and what if Gerard Wade's like, "Fuck you, you can't use it," <laughs> or whatever, well, or whatever his label decides. Well, yeah. The the uh the 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 problem with that uh alternate reality is is that Gerard Way and him seem to be very tight because if you'll recall from the movie Tusk uh the end credit song was sung by Gerard Way. Uh so uh they've already got a bit of a connection. I know he was on one of the spot casts at some point. I I, yeah. I vaguely recall this. Um uh, but it seems like yeah he's he's hit in touch with the my chemical romances people. Uh so yeah, but uh regardless it seems like this is going to be a little bit more closer to um uh, a, a throwback to the first clerks is what it is sounding like. So um, anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, I'll move on to another piece of black and white news. Uh, the, there's a new movie by Joel Cohen without Ethan Cohen with Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand called the tragedy of Macbeth. It's going to be a thriller version of Macbeth. And it apparently is all shot in black and white. Uh, and when asked for comment, all I could say was, Give me that fucking movie now. What the hell does uh, a thriller version of Macbeth look like? I'm pretty no, sure Macbeth is the one who kills everybody. They're inter- they're interpreted. Oh, spoilers! That play is only six hundred years old. <laughs> the they're, they're, the 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 tone in which Joel is going for is more of a is is to be more of a thriller aspect to it. So it's more going to be in the way he shoots it. I'm assuming, um, but it doesn't matter. We won't know until this thing comes out. Um, but all I know is it's in black and white, and it's got at least one of the Cone brothers, so it obviously has a shot to be in my top three, because duh. And, uh, Y'all anyway. seen the one with Patrick Stewart? No, I don't think I ever have, no. Huh. It's pretty weird. Is it, like, is it a theatrical release, or is it, like, a BBC thing? I don't remember. It's definitely, like a f- like, a movie version. It's not, like, a filmed play, but... Yeah, I feel like they said it during like World War Two or something. I don't know. It was really weird. Does he ever say engage in it or Magneto? No, no, okay. he does not. <laughs> he sticks to the script, Zach. <laughs> I don't know. They were playing around with some Shakespeare shit in the holodeck. <laughs> um, and then uh, the last piece of news, which I thought was kind of cool, is um, John Carpenter is going to go to podcasting and he's going to make some horror audio shows for Serial Box, which is a platform that does serialized audio story storytelling um yeah that sounds like fun maybe he can do something like a lights out or an, uh, a suspense kind of thing ryan that might be fun to listen to no um, no i i enjoy listening to john carpenter when he does commentaries and talks about movies and stuff i kind of hope that he finds a way to reprise his character from body bags in the audio <laughs> form that'd be fun i i I'd pay for cereal box to listen to that. Um, but anyway, uh, and then the last piece of news is something that uh, 
guess what? I don't give a shit that he's doing this. Liam Neeson has said once again that he's going to retire from action filmmaking. And my response is, you should have done that a couple of years ago. And that's news. Wow. Don't it's because y'all hated work? Honest Thief so much. I want to see him go back to doing what he's good at doing, which is acting. He's very good at that thing. Love I'm Actually sorry. 2. <laughs> I would, I, you know what, Corinne? I'd buy many tickets for that. I would buy so many tickets for that, regardless of the quality. Honest Thief left me very, very cold. <laughs> no, he has the number one movie this week, so I, I he's doing okay. Oh yeah, the 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 mark maker or whatever. The marksman. Okay, gotcha. Anyway, that's the news of the movie world. Cool. Films are coming out on Blu-ray. Speaking of John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. DVD releases the Blu-rays. So, um, uh, as Ryan alluded to, um, they live. Uh, is coming to 4K from Scream Factory uh, in its collector's edition form. Um, but the more impossible thing is that Prince of Darkness is also getting a 4K release um, in the collector's edition format. I'm still kind of like, I, it's it's similar to James's Preacher thing. I won't believe it until it's in my hands. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Well, I can let you know, I was at Twist and Shout this week and they already had it out. So <laughs> it's it exists. Okay. This just, Ryan... You don't think I'm crazy, right? This does seem insane. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's Scream's first two Ultra HD movies. So they might want to test the waters. No, my guess, too, is John Carpenter is probably easy to work with. That's why they have all his films. Mm -hmm. And it's easy for them to get him to sign on to doing an Ultra HD release of them. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, it's just like out of all the I thought they would have tried to do the thing before they would have done anything else. Um, but because that seems like the easiest title to, to, to sell on to people for 4K. Um, but I'm not crying here because that means more Donald Pleasance in 4K. And I'm always in favor of that. Um, and then also uh, there's a reissue uh, from Mill Creek Entertainment of the movie Accepted from 2006. Uh, if anybody recalls, it's the movie where Justin Long creates a fake college uh, with the help of Jonah Hill and Louis Black. Uh, and I actually, then, that movie's pretty fun, if I remember it correctly. It is fun, and I like Louis Black in it a lot. The reason I saw it first was because I heard Louis Black was in it, and that's when I actually... It wasn't the first Jonah Hill thing I had seen, but I think it was the first Justin Long thing I saw. Um, but at any rate, uh, yeah, accepted. It's pretty fun. Uh, it's a uh, it's P- I remember it being PG thirteen, but it was like a good college movie PG thirteen. Like it was just it hit all the right beats it needed to. Um, and then in four K, you can also get the movie twenty twelve uh, from two thousand and nine um, uh, from Roland Emmerich. Um, I don't think anybody cares, so I'm just going to move on. Um, and uh, Criter- Criterion is putting out Rolling Thunder review. Uh, a Bob Dylan experience directed by Martin Scorsese. So I know Ryan's going to pick it up right away. <laughs> uh, and then uh, this is one. I don't. Have you ever heard of the film detective, Ryan? Ryan? Yeah, he's we lost muted. Him. R.I.P. Ryan. No, he's muted. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, Ryan, they are putting out a movie called Giant from the Unknown. 
this is a uh, movie about finding uh, petrified lizards in the California mountains, and then the lizard revives and uh, proving uh, this theory of suspended animation. Uh, this sounds fun. Uh, it's from 1958, so it's a nice little creature feature movie. I want to check it out. Um, and then uh, we've got Klaus Kinski in a full moon features release, The Hand That Feeds the Dead. Um, from 1974. So if you like Klaus Kinski and you like insane things, I'm sure this will be right up your alley. Um, and then a new release, um, unless this has already come out, The Kid Detective uh, from uh, 2020 with Adam Brody, uh, which is a movie that Brad spoke of highly on the show, uh, is uh, coming to Blu-ray. So is this, um, I thought this already came out for some reason, but I guess. This, uh, this I thought it was last week, but um, it's this week, so. Right on. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I pre-ordered it and it didn't show up, so I'm guessing it's this week. But I also haven't been said it's been shipped yet, so I don't know when I'm getting it. Huh. Okay, um, this is one that I'm definitely not aware of. I have no idea what the hell this is. It's a movie called Dreamland from Paramount Pictures. Um, it's from tw- from 2019 uh, and uh, features Finn Cole and Margot Robbie. Um, the the synopsis is a teenager's adventures as a bounty hunter takes an unexpected twist. That's all it says. I have no idea what this is. Seems like if it's a Margot Robbie movie, it should have had much more discussion behind it, but I don't know. Um, and then I don't know what this is, but Scott Adkins in a movie called Max Cloud uh, from 2019 from WellGo USA. Um, when video game enthusiast Sarah is transported into her favorite game, she finds herself on an intergalactic prison, home to the most dangerous villains in the galaxy. Um, yeah, I, I wish I knew what this is. This seems like something that Brad might have watched and um, uh, had thoughts on. I don't know. Uh, I heard about it, but I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, then anyway, moving on. And then it looks like everything else is pretty much just uh, reissues of things that have already come out. Uh, you can get such reissues as Slapshot, Casper, uh, uh, Your Highness, um, and then uh, Dracula Untold, Glass. These are all reissues that you can get. And then the last really cool thing is VCI Cliffhanger Collection is putting out the serialized version of Gangbusters. Um, this version uh, features, amongst other people, Robert Armstrong from King Kong. Uh, Morgan Cox, Sal Martin, Victor McLeod. Um, and uh, yeah, it's Gangbusters. It's all 13 episodes of this particular serial from 1942. So if you want to check it out, yeah, do it. And that is Blu-rays. Wait, wait, wait. You're going to you're gonna ignore Beach Babes from Beyond? I'm not gonna, you son of a bitch. I'm not going to ignore it. We can talk about it if you want. It didn't look like a real thing. <laughs> Starring Nicole Posey and Joe Estevez. Yeah, it didn't look like a real thing, Brad. (laughs) That's weird. The Digital Bits had it listed today, but Amazon says it comes out February 9th. (laughs) Hot, hot, tan, alien, and intergalactic babe borrows her dad's T-bird ship to do a little planet hopping with her two friends, but they run out of fuel unexpectedly and must land on Earth. They land on the California coast and run into some guys where they have fun and a few close encounters at the beach. Ooh. One of the guys, Uncle Bud, who just wants to meditate and hang out, is being threatened with with condemnation of his beach house unless he puts some money into repairs. The alien babes offer to enter the the bikini contest with their way out designs to try and win the money he needs. So, wait, this 
<laughs> I'm reading, Zach. Stop interrupting me. Go ahead. God, can't, can't not talk for like five seconds. But they are hampered by the, gov- the garment designer who will stop at nothing to win. It's up to three out of his... It's up to the three out of his world beauties to help the holistic hipster the only way they know how by busting loose in a wet and wild bikini contest that sets the strand <laughs> oh of sizzle God. and proves that once and for like all <laughs> that the Pacific Coast Highway leads straight to hard body heaven. <laughs> Bonus features include full moon features and trailers. Wow. What, why wasn't that nominated for an Oscar? <laughs> Brad, I think they did end up removing it because I went back to the page and it's gone now. I mean, it says February 9th on Amazon, so okay. I don't know what digital bits is just waiting to find on everything. No, I was on Blu-ray.com, so. Yeah. All right. Anywho. But yeah, that uh, that sounds like every canon movie stuffed into a blender. Yeah. Um, what, what year was that? Sounds like 90s all the way. Oh, yeah. Early 90s, specifically. Hmm. It's full moon features. Isn't that Charlie Band? It is. So I'm guessing 93. <laughs> yeah it's not saying anything but Ryan, yeah Ryan you're swirling that movie in a glass like it's brandy going like yes I believe it's Charlie Brand 93 well yes. I did I used to like the full moon stuff like subspecies and castle freak is pretty great Dolls is uh, then they really leaned into cheap movies and like they weren't dead. as good yeah like ginger dead man and um, but evil okay. bomb now, I'm not going to say uh, I'm awesome, but I just looked it up on IMDb. That would be 1993. Ooh, Ryan, you're a Charlie Band psychic. It also has Don Swayze, which looks like Patrick Swayze, but like his older, not as attractive brother. Hmm. Maybe it's like a maybe it's like a Gila Point thing where he it is Patrick Swayze, but he went into, into heavy makeup in order to assume a different character. <laughs> you, you probably saw it on TNT up all night, and or USA up all night, and just yeah. Uh, he he also is known as Donnie Swayze. <laughs> Do you think Donnie Swayze's still alive? Yeah, he is. Ooh. Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie. I'm just saying, Roadhouse Three. <laughs> yep, he is the younger brother of Patrick Swayze. Ah, good for him. Yep. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's Blu-rays. Holy shit, he's de- he has a hundred and seven credits on IMDb, and he is in uh, the Rookie, which is a TV series on some network right now. I think that's ABC. So Donnie Swayze is t- tearing it up. Good for him. Yep. Glad he made it. We watch films throughout the week, and sometimes TV, and sometimes other things, in a segment we call What You've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Corinne, what have you been watching? Uh, quite a bit, since I've been on for a couple of weeks. I'll start with the stuff that's more out of character for me. Ryan lent me uh, the Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge movie, and uh, it's a uh, it's okay. Like it's uh, it was an enjoyable watch. It's the fourth best movie of twenty twenty. No, no, it's not. Yeah, you can the best that. animated movie of the year. <laughs> you know that that's not true. Uh, according to my list, it is. Hmm. 
Well, oh yeah, side note, go check out realnerdspodcast.com. I just posted the 2020 film explosion statistical recap where I break down like what films we collectively liked the most from 2020, what genres did the best on our list, um, et cetera. So go check that out. Oh my gosh, you have to sell plugs. Today's Pedro's birthday, and uh, I wrote this article about Cary Grant. (laughs) I'm plugging our website. What's so wrong with that, Ryan? Don't worry, don't worry, Ryan. I promoted all the Cary, Cary Grant things today on Twitter. That's right. It's all I. It's all I'm good for. <laughs> anyway, but it was it was a pretty good movie. I thought the animation was really well done, and um, you know the voice acting is pretty good. Obviously, I recognize Joe McHale. Uh, just been rewatching Community recently, so it's like, oh yeah, hey, glad to see he's uh, getting some work, and. Uh, you know, Steve Steve Blum is in it for all of like two seconds, and that's really sad. Um, but uh, my favorite part of the movie was Raiden, because Raiden is always my go-to character whenever I play Mortal Kombat, which is like never. But whenever I do, I always pick Raiden, and Raiden is super awesome in this movie, even though he doesn't really do much. But he's like so powerful that they basically have to say, "Yeah, you can't interfere because of how strong you are." So I appreciate I mean, he has, that. He has a demigod, so. Well, I don't know any of the Mortal Kombat lore. I just know that Raiden has, like, lightning powers, and that's about it. So <laughs> I was really surprised when Sub-Zero went out like a bitch, <laughs> but then they kind of explained what happened with that, and I was like, oh, okay, that makes a little more sense. But, yeah, anyway. So I guess go check out Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge if you want to. Which you should. Sure. Ryan likes it more than me. So there's that. And then So right away I, it's more credibility what I say. No. So then I've also watched like a season and a half of NBC's Hannibal. And so- you and it's the best thing ever, right? I mean, the production value is really good, and the acting is awesome. (laughs) Yes, good, good. But it's like, and I knew this would happen, but it's like really, really dark um, and Mm -hmm. really gruesome and gross. Like, there are definitely scenes I had to fast forward just because I'm like, I can't, I can't with this, like, right now. Um, Are you going to continue it? I kind of want to, but I think I just needed like a little bit of a mental breather from it because it's been a week since I watched an episode. That's that's more than fair. If you continue it, um, just as a heads up, it gets even more fucked up. Yay. I mean, I know my <laughs> man Richard Armitage is in the third season, so that's kind of an incentive to keep watching it, but... I guess I I can't get over, like, how blindingly stupid everyone in the show is. And it's set in the modern day, but everybody, like, all the police investigations make it seem like it's supposed to be more in the 70s. Because I'm like, okay, why can't you ping his cell phone? Why don't you look at the security camera footage? Why don't you just have him tailed if you think that he's the Chesapeake Ripper? Like, are you all so fucking stupid? Well, to ping a cell phone... to ping a cell phone, someone has to be in an imminent danger, and you have to be able to articulate that. Right. So that's a lot harder than just hitting someone's cell phone. 
Okay, well, they could still... Like, there's an episode where they're like, okay, we think that Hannibal, or Hannibal is the Chesapeake Ripper. And rather than having him tailed, what um, Lawrence Fishburne character does is, like, he ha- like Hannibal has this dinner party. And so Lawrence Fishburne just, like, takes a bunch of, like, food from the party and to get it tested to see if it's, like, human flesh. And it's not. But I'm like, why couldn't you just... <sighs> These people are so stupid. <laughs> it's it's also he meant kills to be a- dozens of people, and he never gets caught. Never even like leaves any evidence behind. It's just it's so frustrating. But, but Corinne, the movie, the show is also st- supposed to, in a lot of ways, be a horror show. So, in a, as a result, they're going to delay what they can in order to get what they can out of the horror element. So, otherwise, it would just be any typical procedural. I get that. But I'm just saying, it's very frustrating to me to watch it and just be like, why can't you just, uh, something. Okay. So eventually I think I'll get around to finishing season two and then watching season three. But if you make it through all the way of season three, you'll be my hero, Corinne. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I got to do it now just so I can be Zach's hero, apparently. Uh, That's a really low bar, Zach. (laughs) I'm just, I just want her to finish. I watched the whole show. What does that make me? No, 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 Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. This is the thing. And you know, you'll, you'll understand why I say this. She won't watch a Friday the 13th movie. She won't watch anything else. This is the closest we're going to get to horror Corinne. And I want to see what horror Corinne thinks of Hannibal. So that's the bar I'm going to set for this. I mean, Hugh Dancy and Mads Nicholson do an excellent job, and that so. should carry. And that should carry you through just fine. I, I I will say, if by the end of the third season you're not wondering why there isn't a fourth season, then we just we just can't connect. I already know how it ends. So oh, no, 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 no. You'll be you. The the hope is that you'll be like, why can't there be a season four? Oh, well, I know <laughs> why there can't. Because they die. They, so it, it they they. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what I, I've seen clips. So that's that's what a um some you out of up, character. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You just love spoilers. Why can't you just enjoy things and experience them? That's just how I roll. I don't know what to tell you. The internet yeah, spoils a bunch of shit for me. I can't avoid it. Yes, you can. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah. I'm on the you internet know- so much. You know, uh, I am too, but when The Mandalorian was trending, I made sure I stayed off of that until I watched the episodes I missed. Especially someone like you, who after like an hour after the show was tweeting about it. <laughs> That's, again, how I roll, so... Brian, the only the only movie Corinne can't spoil the ending of is Memento, because the ending happens at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I've never seen it, so I don't know what happens. Eh, you're fine. He loses his memory or something. You're, you're fine, Corinne. You're fine. Okay. It's fine. So I also watched the first couple episodes of WandaVision, uh, which I'm sure Ryan or somebody else will talk about that, so I'll just wait till we get into that discussion. And then some... <laughs> Brad just took off his headphones. <laughs> Okay. Because he thinks you're going to start talking about it, Corinne. <laughs> oh. Oh. Do we want to talk about it now? Hold on. I'm putting wanna... on my video. No, no. She's not spoiling it yet. She's not spoiling it yet. <laughs> hey, Zach, just flash me a gang sign when she's done. Don't, don't worry. I got your back, B. 
Do we want, okay, but do we want to talk about it now or do we want to wait till Ryan talks about what he's been watching? Whatever works. Okay, well, since Brad already took off his headphones. All right, so I guess I've never really seen, like, a lot of old-timey shows. So, I mean, that whole, like, oh, it references Bewitched and stuff kind of flew over my head. Like, I just get it in a general sense. I wasn't, like, specifically really excited about it. But, I mean, it's still really good. And I feel like everybody's pretty much kind of figured out what what's really going on. But... I mean, at least everybody I've seen on the internet's kind of like, yeah, it's probably just a fictional reality she's making up. But, I mean, I'm along for the ride. I'm excited to find out. And obviously, I love those two actors, and I think they have great chemistry. And it was very sad when Vision died. Because Paul Bettany uh, is a great Vision. It's a well-made TV series. They have some great um, callbacks to the Dick Van Dyke show, the, to I Love Lucy, Leave It to Beaver, Bewitched, um, Ozzy and Harriet. They they do. A, there's uh, Paul Bettany does a couple facial expressions and a couple um, uh, acting uh, callbacks to Dick Van Dyke, which is I really appreciated. And even the Scarlet Witch has a line that Mary Tyler Moore says in an episode of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Um, I think that I don't care as much about the mystery. Um, but I do think the show is really well made and it's intriguing enough that I they'll keep other people watching, but you're probably right. I mean, I don't go on the internet to spoil things for me. I just try to figure it out on my own. Um, but the Scarlet witch is able to alter reality. And I think she's um, in a state of depression. And so she's making up what's happening to her. Right. Uh, because she even has uh, that one part towards the end of episode two where she's when she finds out uh, the beekeeper guy who could be a supervillain uh, shows up and she's like, no, no, this can't happen. And she rewinds it mm-hmm. and, and changes how it happens. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's what my guess is. Obviously, Sword plays a part in it, which is basically another government kind of thing like shield right so uh it'll be interesting she she definitely i i think you're right i think she is making this reality yeah and like you said i kind of don't really care about that aspect it was just kind of cute to see those actors do some like homage to classic tv and i'm excited to see like what they're going to do with the 60s and 70s and everything so yeah and that you know it's it's a conceit that i i care more about like the conceit than i do about like the mystery of it yeah i agree and it's because you know i'm sure when the it unfolds more and you can watch every episode it'll be really cool Mm -hmm. um but right now it's it's a well-made show the actors and i love uh katherine hahn in it and it's uh, it's pretty great. I, I love the talent show portion where he's uh, mm-hmm. he's, where he's, he's drunk, drunk because he got gum stuck, stuck in his, in his gears. <laughs> yeah, uh, and how she does the bewitched thing to make the illusions happen. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, WandaVision's fun. WandaVision. <laughs> so then I'll run down some animes I've been watching really quickly. Um, 
they're well, two of them are shoujo. So I got uh, recommended to watch Kaguya-sama Love is War, which is really fun. It's a pretty short series. The conceit is that these two characters like each other, but they make it like a mind game because like whoever says love, uh, like whoever declares their love first, like loses. So they're always trying to like get each other to confess their love. And it's like really fun to watch. It's a, it kind of reminds me if you've ever seen death note, like the mind games that L and uh, light would play on each other. So it's kind of like that, but in like a, shoujo set. It's it's hard to explain. You would just have to watch it. So that's uh, Kaguya-sama, Love is War. I also watched Oron High School Host Club, which apparently is a super popular so shoujo uh, anime that I, I've heard of, but I'd never seen. And I don't know why. Apparently it came out in the U.S. in 2006. So I think I was just like a little too old at that point to watch it. Because I was, like, in high school, and I'm like, I can't be in anime anymore. I'll be unpopular. And then, of course, now, like, everybody's in the anime. But it's a really cute show. The idea is that this girl, she goes to this, like, really fancy, prestigious high school with, like, all these rich kids. And she's there on scholarship. And she has short hair because, like, she had it cut right before school started. And the way she's dressed, like this group of guys think that she's a boy and they run a host club where they uh, basically, I don't know how to explain it. Basically they entertain young ladies after school as a, you know, as a way to just like, like a maid cafe, but it's men running it instead of women. um, So they, they have her join the host club. And so she, is supposed to be a guy, but she's actually a girl, and so hijinks ensue, and it's really fun. Uh, And it gets really serious and, like, dramatic at the end, like, at the very last couple of episodes. I was like, what the hell? Like, I was just laughing my ass off one episode ago, and now all of a sudden it's like, ooh, took a dark turn, like, people getting slapped, other people getting engaged and moving to other countries. What is going on here? So, anyway... Oron High School Host Club. Excellent show. Highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. And then the latest episode of Yashihime came out, uh, which is the Inuyasha sequel. We are finally getting some answers. We got a major flashback episode that filled in a lot of the blanks. Now we're creating a whole bunch of like conspiracy theories of like, well, really, maybe he was helping them when he trapped them in the pearl for 14 years or whatever. So... We'll see how the rest of it plays out, but anyway, we're getting a lot of good material out of that show, so it's it's hit. I think it's hit its stride. So that's all I've been watching. Uh, Zach, are you paying attention? <laughs> oh yeah, I am. I was just listening. All right, what do you watch this week? Um, uh, not a whole lot. Um, I didn't get any Mando watching in, so, but I'll continue that for next week. Um, I just go was... to Corinne's Twitter feed. You'll know what happens. Yeah, but I'd rather watch the No, I of... don't, <laughs> it, he, it wouldn't make any sense to him. He's not even on season two yet, right? Look, 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 it doesn't have to make sense for you to spoil that moment. 
Look, unless her spoilers in the Twitter feed reveal my ultimate dream of Baby Yoda with a backward cap and sunglasses riding, driving the Mandalorian ship while ACDC blasts through the ship's stereo, I can just watch the entire thing and find out what happens that way. Um, And if you guys out there think that my idea is flawed, just remember, I don't care. This is what I want. (laughs) Um, uh, But anyway, um, I did... um, I did end up making some tough decisions. Hey, since Corinne announced her little article, can I promote something, Ryan? Yeah. Okay, cool. So the new series on Yesteryear Ballyhoo Review is not going to be Orson Welles and John Huston. It's going to be only John Huston. Hooray! Um, so that means I went back and rewatched some John Huston films. Uh, rewatched The Maltese Falcon. Uh, that's still an amazing film. Um, I actually, if they end up opening the re- reopening the Esquire again and they do Midnights, I kind of want them to show that again because that was one of the fun mid- well, you, one of the fun You do know that it's coming out this week in like all theaters, right? Oh, is that the TCM thing? Yep. Oh, it's that soon? Oh shit, then I'm going. I'm going, yeah, Ryan. Your, your, your uncle's hosting it, dude. Oh, oh no, my secret father. He's my secret father, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or my uncle, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I if don't you guys know what I'm talking about, look up Ben Mankiewicz. <laughs> This picture with Zach's, they look exactly the same. Yes, my actual name is Zach Mankiewicz Eastman. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a huge thing. I, I I broke away from the family because I sided with Orson Welles in the whole uh, Mank v. Wells debacle. We used to uh, call anyway. you Stankowitz in school, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Just you wait, I'll be on a podcast where nobody will listen to me." Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway. Uh, so, uh, okay. So then Ryan, if that's playing in the theater, I think we should go this weekend. You and I, Yeah, I I was trying to sneak away to see it. I hopefully I can. You just, (laughs) just make a scarecrow version of yourself to fool Laura and Kellen. (laughs) Just just plant some drugs on somebody. You'll be fine. Yeah. I got to transport this guy to Denver and I'll be gone for four hours. (laughs) Ryan, that's just your pillows with a face drawn on it. Bye. (laughs) um and then uh i rewatched the treasure of the sierra madre which um that um that's a film that i think is due for a big screen revival of some sort too because that is didn't you just say that the five bloods was like a secret treasure of the sierra madre remake it is it is corinne um have you ever seen the treasure of the sierra madre corinne i have not Okay, it's basically a treasure hunt movie, but at its core, it's about a man slowly being driven to the worst parts of humanity and pure evil. Uh, that comes in the form of Humphrey Bogart uh, playing, uh, playing Dobbs, who goes off with uh, Curtin and Howard to search for gold in the Sierra Madre, and madness ensues because it's the desert and searching for gold, and gold drives people to their worst instincts. Uh, Are you sure that's not just 2020? It kind of is, Corinne, because the movie is based off of a book by G.B. Traven, which was an indictment against capitalism. So, yes, I do think it's 2020, the movie, Um, (laughs) but set in the early 1900s during Mexico's oil boom, uh, and it has Humphrey Bogart in it. And also John Huston playing a guy in a white suit who keeps giving Bogart money until he says, no, 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 fucking enough. I'm done. You're on your own. You have to make your way through life without my assistance. Um, and, um, but Ryan, I don't know if you have, have you, you've seen the film before, right? Yeah. It's been, but it, it, I don't know how long it's been for you. Oh, geez. Probably like 10 years. I, it, the, it's amazing that, uh, because I haven't rewatched a Toy Story movie in a while, but when I was, this was the first time in a while in rewatching Sierra Madre 
where I was watching uh, Walter Houston's character and I was just like, it's not the action, but the visual like, oh, they clearly made stinking Pete. Every prospector is based off of John Houston's uh, portrayal <laughs> or, or Walter Houston's portrayal. But stinky, stinky Pete, the old prospector was the only thing that was really flashing to my mind as like the next iconic prospector <laughs> in cinema. Because <laughs> um, like, you, you know that trope is there because of that movie, but somehow Stinky Pete, only thing that's drawn to my, to my mind there. Um, yeah, and then I rewatched Key Largo, which is a good movie if you've never seen it. It's, a, it's basically a, um, uh, a pot boiler set in the location of a hotel that's go undergoing a hur- that's going through a hurricane, um, and the innocent owner of the hotel and a visiting veteran played by Humphrey Bogart are trapped in the hotel by the storm and by ruthless gangsters led by Johnny Rocco, played by Edward G. Robinson. Um, still a, still a fun movie. It's not the best Houston movie, but it's a really good Houston movie. Um, but the, uh, the issue that I had with this, so I have the DVD releases of it. Um, I still have never upgraded the Blu-ray on Warner archive, the DVD menu of it. And I took a photo of it. If you want to see it, uh, it's, uh, it literally looks like it's, uh, the DVD menu for an eighties cop movie. <laughs> um, it's got the most standard, 80s font with it and then Bogart and Bacall looking like they're posing in front of like the beach so it's like it's it's one sentence short of being a Miami Vice ripoff um but but the movie's great so just get past that menu and watch the movie um and then I rewatched There Will Be Blood in conjunction with Sierra Madre and um the one of the reasons why I did it was because Paul Thomas Anderson in several interviews said that he would rewatch Treasure of the Sierra Madre nearly every day while filming that movie and it shows there's a lot of visual callback to it and there's a lot of what anderson does in the movie to try to capture the spirit of certain aspects of houston's movie um i was actually noticing how the photography tries to emulate silent films especially during when the oil derrick blows up and there's wide shots that cut away to the oil derrick in flames um, or the oil pump in flames. And you see this outer rim of red encompassing the frame. And it almost feels like it's an iris um, uh, flashing through. Um, But yeah, and the movie's still great. I know not everybody likes it, but I still enjoy it. Um, It's actually like a weirdly cathartic movie to watch from just letting out, like (laughs) just like getting out the, shaking out the aggression. Um, and then uh, I watched a movie for the first time called The Glass Key with Veronica Lake, Alan Ladd, and William Bendix. Uh, it's a noir film, and it's really good, Ryan. I don't want to spoil it for you. I think you should watch it. I think it's really good. All you need to really know is that Alan Ladd is trying to keep everybody fucking cool because everybody is just deciding to make bad decisions. And Alan Ladd's just like, guys, chill the fuck out. <laughs> you had me at Veronica Lake. Ah. Uh, we don't we all get had at Veronica Lake, um, but you know I'll tell you William ben- William Bendix, um, who you'll recall from Lifeboat Ryan, um, I, I I like seeing him pop up more in things that I'm watching recently because I only have an image of him as Gus from Lifeboat or Chester Riley from The Rife of Riley, and the more I watch his 40s output, the more I'm amazed that he got cornered into the comedy realm because I'm like in another world he would have become like one of those next great gangster characters because he has, or at least like a more steady supporting player throughout the late forties and early fifties. Cause 
he's got the he's got the energy for it. Like he's he doesn't mess around. Um, and then uh, I uh, I ended up. Um, I thought you said you didn't watch very much, Zach. <laughs> no, the la- the last thing that I wanted to the last thing that I wanted to bring up was uh, in honor of uh, Cary Grant's birthday. Um, before I uh, got on this episode, I rewatched North by Northwest a little bit while I was working on some tests with my new podcasting equipment, and that movie's still wonderful. So, happy birthday, Cary Grant! My second favorite Cary Grant film. Yeah. Well, what, wait. Oh, well, your wait, first which is the one's awful your truth. number one? Oh, right. The awful truth. Yeah. What's number three? Uh, charade. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm not gonna lie, Ryan. Maybe it's because you introduced me to it, and I've just become enamored with it. But I would put Mr. Lucky within the top five. Wow. That's yeah. A good one. I know that. I know that seems weird, but like, it's just. I just enjoy everything he's doing in it to an alarming degree. Like it's I not, agree. it's certainly not the best role he's done, but I'm just like, God damn it. This movie's so freaking charming. Um, so yeah, but I'd be, eh. if I had to pick a number one, I'd say it would probably be to catch a thief just because I enjoy him in that movie so much. And I have the best time with him there, but mm. I have never done a definitive Cary Grant list. So maybe I'll have to do one in letterbox. I won't do it on the website. Cause I'm not going to steal your thunder. You can, you can do it on the website. It's okay. Oh, oh, it's just the- <laughs> that was the real nerds equivalent of him going maverick you can ride with me anytime <laughs> that's right is this the part of the podcast where we all say what our favorite Cary grant movie is sure brad <laughs> uh by default north by northwest it's okay one, that's cool i've seen him in okay that's cool um corinne what is Korean? your favorite? What is your favorite? Oh, it's charade, obviously. So cute. <laughs> oh wait, you know what, Ryan? It might hmm. be a tie between To Catch a Thief and Notorious. Oh yeah, Notorious is a great yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. most That's of the his one films he's in with Ingrid Bergman, great. right? Uh, yes, yes Notorious is the one with Ingrid Bergman. I mean, and I and I may sound weird putting To Catch a Thief that high up on the Cary Grant scale, but it's just everything in that movie is working on all cylinders for me. So. Well, he is charming in it. He is. And he works well with Grace Kelly. And he oh, works yeah. Grace well Grace Kelly's beautiful. And he works well with John Williams. No, not that John Williams, the actor John Williams. Um so yeah. Yeah. I'll stand by that. To catch a thief. Anyway, that's what I've been watching. Brad, or do we did you did we put you to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Heading there. Brad, uh, what'd you watch this week? Uh gosh, I was just um uh, not a lot. Um, I was just looking at Don Swayze here. He looks like the mirror Star Trek mirror universe version of Patrick Swayze. Right. I didn't even know he existed. <laughs> yeah. He's got the goatee and then like the dark hair and everything. Yep. It's uncanny. Uh, yeah. Not a lot this week. I rewatched back to future two at the Alamo. Yes. Um, probably the most amazing part was that the, like the audience cheered at the end, which was like fun to see. Um, yeah, you know, when I went and saw Raiders uh, recently, it was really cool to hear people do that, you know, yeah. cheer when, you know, they cheered when he shot the dude with the sword and because you love those moments in the movies, you know, and to see other people respond to them is awesome. Especially since to like growing up, like as a kid, Back to the Future 2 was my favorite of the three. Um, hmm. And it was like always 
the discussion was always maligned as like, oh, it's the dark one and it's like mm-hmm. not a full movie. Um, and it's silly because of the, the future prediction stuff. And it's fun that, uh, what, 30 years later, like people go to see that silly future stuff that's past, you know, it's past 2015 now. And they're, just, you know, you're sitting there comparing it to like what they got right and what they got wrong. Um, so like it's, it's, I think it's aged well. Uh, despite being incorrect about a few things. Uh, I think so too. I, you know, I've always loved that movie too. It's one of those, cause I think as a kid, you wanted the sneakers that <laughs> self tied. Yeah. And I mean, the clothes that dry themselves. To, yeah. My brothers and I used to make our own hoverboards <laughs> and we would always say, you can't go over water. You yeah. Know? Cause we're just dumb that way. But I, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. And then you're sitting there going like, why does the water like, whoever built that technology like what is water having having to do with like you assume there's magnetism going on with how yeah. it's, it's just a plot contrivance so they have a way for like marty to outsmart griff um but it's also really cool um how like the shots because michael j fox plays himself his older self later on then his two kids um and you know the the camera setups they had to do to like make that work and make it convincing um and then tom wilson has to play young middle-aged and old griff um you know and then they get a christopher lloyd actually uh de-age by writing in the fact they went to like the cosmetic place in the future so he can like take off the old man makeup uh and play just his, his normal age for the rest of the movie um yeah, it's just amazing. And then, like all the nods to the first one, like it's it's impressive to go back and remake the movie you made four years earlier. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. You know, because uh, what's his name? Um, uh, George McFly. Uh, he's not in it, um, but he, oh, yeah. like his character is. So they have to like Chris find Glover. Chris Glover. Yeah. So they find clever ways to still include that character, you know, by flipping him upside down. So you can't like easily recognize him um and then recycling his footage uh when they go back to 1955 um but yeah it's, it's also kind of hard to watch without the third one because it does end in the cliffhanger and you're just like oh i want to watch the third one right now yeah um third one's great too yeah it, it, it's a pretty like, solid trilogy oh yeah it's for something that was conceived separately you know in, in two parts they made a yeah solid trilogy out of it um so yeah, that was cool. Um, and then, shoot, my there's one other movie I watched. What was it? Scorpion's Revenge. <laughs> nope, that's nope. what the cool people watched. <laughs> uh, sorry for not being cool, Ryan. Wow, I'm you are cool not. for once. Wow. I guess they didn't that's watch another movie. Uh, yeah, the only thing I watched was a TV show, Vice Principals. Which uh, is Danny McBride and Walton Goggins play rival vice principals. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. You, you watched it? I haven't. But I keep on forgetting that's a show that's existed. Yeah, it's, it's only two seasons. Um, it's, it's a quick breeze. You know, all the episodes are like half an hour. But uh, yeah, they're just rival principals who think they're going to replace Bill Murray, who has to, who is, who's stepping down from the principal job to take care of his wife with cancer. Um, and then the district puts in a, a different 
permanent principal. So they set aside their rival differences to team up and try to like ruin her. And the first thing they do is burn her house down. <laughs> um, like just way over the top. Um, uh, but the cool part is over the course of the series, you know, these two guys that hate each other and are, and are like rivals for this, you know, position that no one else wants, but them, um, you know, they, they become like best buds and uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. It takes a little while to get going. Um, I think I was like episode six and I was like, do I want to keep going with this? Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it was pretty fun and just silly and stupid in places. <laughs> you know, it's Danny McBride still playing basically, um, you know, his eastbound and down character, but it's like a school principal. <laughs> it's okay too. <laughs> yeah. So, have, you love watching the, the, have you watched the righteous gemstones with him yet? I started it, but uh, I keep passing out. Not cause it's bad. I just, have been busy so but yeah okay. I, I started it okay but it has like a lot of the same people again uh just as different characters so. i know yeah um yeah that's all i all i remember watching i really only watched two things this week because we already talked about wandavision but uh i watched vampires <laughs> Sorry, uh, my wife just started. Sorry, my wife just started yelling. <laughs> I watched uh, Vampires versus. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it wasn't directed at me, so maybe after the podcast, she'll yell at me. Um, Vampires versus the Bronx, which is a movie on Netflix, which is um, a story about a couple kids trying to save. Uh, what are the corner stores in freaking Bodegas. New York called? Thank you. Bodegas. My wife's yelling at me from the bedroom. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pagodas. Abe and Pagoda. Emilio. And uh, <laughs> while they're trying to save save it, they uh, this company is buying up all the property in the Bronx, which is a front for vampires. And the kids uncover the mystery, of course. And then they have to fight the vampires. It's cute. It's I don't know. I always like my horror movies to be somewhat violent and it's PG 13. So the violent is violence is kind of toned down, but the, the actors, the little, the, the little kids, like teenage boys in it are really good. Uh, there's some fun moments and it's like a traditional vampire thing. You know, they die by sunlight and stakes and it's a, it's a film where eventually, you know, the kids have to bring everybody on board and, it's fun. I mean, it's, I think it's like 82 minutes, so it goes by really fast. And, uh, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was, it was good. You can check it out if you're bored for 82 minutes one day. Uh, and the only other thing I watched that I've never seen before that I bought on Blu ray a long time ago, uh, which every time I start watching something like that, I just think about how my wife is right about how I would buy Blu-rays and then I forget to watch them and then I eventually watch them and then I can always just hear my wife talking to me in the background like I told you you always buy them and never watch them I told you you would never do a dental plan Lisa needs braces (laughs) (laughs) she's uh, 100% right but I don't like to tell her she's right to her face anyways uh, so I watched Invaders from Mars which is a canon film from Toby Hooper uh, that he made after Chainsaw 3, or 
or two, two, I two. mean. Yeah, two. <laughs> or bef- before or after. I can't remember. But he did a three-picture deal with Canon, and one of the pictures had to be a Texas Chainsaw film. Mm-hmm. And so this one is a remake of a 1950s uh, sci-fi film, and it's more of a family movie. It's really campy. Uh, but the cool part is, is it has really awesome creature effects in it. Oh, yeah. And the creature effects were done by Stan Winston Studios. And I just love that era. It's from 86. So I love that era of creature effects because you can tell they're really elaborate. And in the making of uh, the special effects guys, they had two uh, performers in it. They had bodybuilders in the front and a little person in the back, and each one of them were uh, puppet puppeting, puppeteering the uh, creatures to make it work, and it's pretty impressive. The story um, is whatever. These aliens come down to Earth and they take over the bodies of the adults in the town, and it's up to this kid to solve the mystery and help have the military help him out. It's um, a pretty standard 1950s kind of sci-fi film. Ryan, I was going to, I looked it up. Um, this one came out in June and Texas Chainsaw 2 came out in August. Um, okay. But, but both, of them his... were, both of them were I... not very well received. So no, I can't remember his third film he did too for canon. Wasn't it Life Force? Oh, it was Life Force. Yeah. So he did Life Force, then this, and then Texas Chainsaw 2. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 this one didn't do well. And he said, you know, people are expecting more horror from him. Mm-hmm. And instead, he made kind of a kids movie, which it is. It's it's no like a kind of a kids horror film. It's a combination of a kids film and an insane film, and I love yeah, and I love all of it. Yeah, it's an interesting film. I the, t- the blue the Blu-ray from Scream Factory is great. It has an awesome commentary. It has an awesome making of. I really got to get caught up on all my uh, articles and things like that, and I, then I can. I was going to say, I haven't seen a Scream Factory crypt from you in a while. I was uh, getting a little Yeah, I know, because then I start doing my 2020 stuff, and then I still have to work, and then I have to still be a dad, and it, you know. Wait, Ryan, you're a dad? Yeah, I know. When the fuck did that happen? Oh, only <laughs> one time over that we know of. Put <laughs> oh, the knife down, no. Laura. I'm just kidding. And that's all I watched this week. Just Ryan just runs out of the room like a cartoon <laughs> character. Like I did it again. <laughs> no wonder he became uh, a police officer. He needed a, a cover to hide the bodies. Yes. To get into the mind of a criminal. Um, oh God. This week on real nerds podcast, we went and saw news of the world. Brad, should people see news of the world? Yeah, I think it's all right. Um, the story is kind of, I feel like I've watched this dynamic before. Um, it's just in a different setting with different characters. Um, there's another movie inside it that I wish that it had kind of um, explored a little more. So uh, other than that, yeah, it's it's fine. It's nothing that blew me away. Zach? Um, yeah, I think you should. Um, I I... Uh, we'll get into it in after we've uh played the trailer but um i found it interesting that paul greengrass a few years back was talking about john ford with such eloquence for five came back and now to see what he does with a western it was actually really 
quite quite touching to watch. Um, I think it's great. I think Tom Hanks is wonderful in it. I think the little girl is fantastic in it. Um, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I love this movie. If I saw this movie and Promising Young Woman when I could have uh, last year, these probably have, would have been on my film explosion list. I love this movie. And I think Tom Hanks is great in it. I Yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Here's a trailer for News of the World. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Captain Jefferson Kyle Kidd, and I'm here tonight to read the news from across this great world of ours. So they pay you to tell stories. I ain't never heard of that as a thing a man can do. Well, it's not a rich man's occupation, as you can see. You understand English? Sorry, I call, but uh. Friend. It says your name is Joanna Leonberger. Indians took you when they attacked your family six years prior. Your mother, father, and sister were. Well, they passed. She's got family down in Castroville. Captain. Why are you doing this? She needs to laugh and dream. She needs new memories. Roads closed. Is that the law? It is now. Captain, you, Johanna. I do not have a clue as to the care of a child. It's a photograph. That's my wife. You can certainly handle a horse. That there's a horse. Horse. Captain. Captain. Make no mistake. Captain. Word is she's that captive out of Wichita Falls. What do you want? How much you want for her? This child is not for sale. So she thinks she's an Indian? No. She's something in between. Ladies and gentlemen, these are stories of men and women very much like you. Waiting for better days to come. You can't have her! And I'm taking her home! You know, you uh, are allowed to put it on your list for 2021, Ryan. I know, so that could, it could end up there. Um, in the film, Tom Hanks plays a Confederate Civil War veteran who, uh, who goes around around uh texas and reads the news he's basically the reconstruction era version of tom brokaw and that's the premise and he meets uh this young girl who was kidnapped by the kiowa uh indian tribe and her 
guy who was bringing her back to her family was lynched um, because he was an African-American. And uh, this movie deals with a lot of um, heady issues with uh, what's going on in the world, especially the South at that time, where they didn't appreciate the Union soldiers in their towns. And, and you have basically two conflicting worlds and it's, it's kind of brutal. And so after Tom Hanks basically saves this young girl, he doesn't want to, but he brings her back home to her original family, extended family because her parents were killed um, by the Kiowas who took her. And now she doesn't speak German anymore from what her family's from Germany. And um, she has to learn to live with Tom Hanks, his character. So Ryan, I I didn't see the movie, but this sounds a lot like the searchers. Is this basically the searchers? Uh, This is Paul Greengrass's version of the searchers. Yeah. Which means it, which which means it's a little bit easier to swallow. (laughs) It's yeah, it's um it has a lot of the same similar beats. Uh and even in the Alamo pre-show they play the trailer for the searchers. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, I mean it's basic it has a lot of the same beats. It's really well done. Um D- did you Brian, have you seen the yeah. miss- the missing Ron Howard's the missing the one his searchers movie that uh, he made I, in 2003? I haven't. I have the Blu-ray because I got to get back to my Kate watch too. Okay. Uh, the, so the yeah. reason, I won't. I won't spoil anything, obviously, but I will say that like I need to rewatch it, but I don't remember it hitting the same aesthetic or tone that The Searchers goes for, despite telling basically the same story um, with different alterations. What I appreciated though about Greengrass's version is that he he uses searcher's imagery but brings um uh, a bit more clarity and a little bit more um uh i, I want to say more of a, a more uh enlightened tone to how you tell a story like the searchers because there's scenes where he's reading the news to different people across the towns and you you get a lot more of an extrapolation of that, like that conflict that surrounds the setting of the film, which is reconstruction era post civil war. Um, but it's not dictating the story. It's, it's the environment. It sets you up in that environment into how hostile a world it is that Tom Hanks needs to navigate this young girl through. Yeah. I, I think too, that he tells it on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the searchers has that <laughs> for lack of better, the Vista vision, feel yeah. to it well yeah that's, uh, that's not an unfair statement at all <laughs> uh he really focuses on the characters because it is a slow moving movie it's not mm-hmm. you know balls to the wall you know point a to point b and it's but not it uh, a his, movie. and it's not his shaky cam either <laughs> no it's the, the scene uh where they he's shooting out with the guys who want to kidnap uh joanna and mm-hmm. you know sell her in the sex slave or trade market um, it's really well shot. And I think it's really cool. And he even makes that kind of, he kind of slows it down mm-hmm. in that moment too. Oh, the scene where he, uh, 
Well, in the in the, the the end of that scene where he tricks him into coming out so he can shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I was. It's it's such a really solid edit, and it's clear, and I can see it. It's why, like, I like Paul Greengrass, but the one complaint I've always had about him is that his shaky cam always got on my nerves. But I like how he was able to blend versions of that style with a very steady uh, uh, Western aesthetic where when there is landscape, there is beautiful landscape in this movie. Uh, Beautiful, like, paintings that come out of the Old West are just stuck right in this movie. Um, And I think Tom Hanks is... I'm not going to say this is the most challenging role he's ever had, but it's interesting seeing, seeing him take on a, for lack of a better term, an Eastwood aesthetic or uh, even a Wayne aesthetic. Sure. Um, it's something I don't expect out of him. He does, he gets grizzled really well. Like he does grizzled really well in a way that I just wasn't reckoning on. But I also love how he softens too. There's a great scene where he finally goes back to San Antonio and he hasn't been there in five years. And you learn because spoilers, Corinne, if you don't want to listen, um, he you learned that his wife died, which you kind of got the hint that she did anyways. Mm-hmm. But he also, as he's explaining it to his friend, he realizes he's on the wrong side of history, too, by being because they never say that he's a Confederate vet veteran until that moment where he realizes that he fought for the wrong cause. His wife died without him seeing her. And there's also this great moment in that scene too, where he realizes that he, he loves Joanna and he's decides he's going to go back and get her. Yeah. And Um, I cried when he found her and he says, you belong with me. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, the, the following scene where they're reading the news and she's now a part of the storytelling. Yeah. I was like, there's a secret movie about a love of storytelling stuck in this movie that I really liked. Yeah. Um, it's not, and I like that it's not shoved in your face. It's it's very appropriately balanced for the most part. Um, and actually, there's a scene that I wanted to talk about, Ryan, because I wanted to see if you kind of caught this. When their wagon goes kerfluey, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when the wheels, like there's shots where he's uh, cutting away and it's clear that the, the frame rate is sped up because he's got uh, those wheels spinning out of control. And my immediate image was to some of the stuff in Stagecoach where like <laughs> when some of the action is going around in there or like any of the high powered wagon train movies where like it's just insanity, but he 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 cuts it in such a way that like the movie is kind of a slow burn, but when it, when the action happens, it happens with a punch. Um, so I like appreciate that he's able to like thrust you in accordingly. Um, but yeah. And actually the scene where um, uh, he's reading the news and, uh, before he decides to take Joanna um, and he's having to calm down this mob. Yeah. <laughs> Like that is one of the tensest scenes I've seen. Well, I mean, the, the year's pretty um, young yet, um, and promising young women had a lot of tense moments in it. But that was one of the tensest, just like isolated scenes in a movie that I've seen uh, this yeah. year. Um, it's just very relevant. Uh, Brad, you weren't as enamored with it as I was. Um, what did you think? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like a little bit like Logan, or I guess Shane. Uh, you know, uh, 
he's transporting this kid and trying to survive uh, while doing it through various uh, episodic uh, encounters. And then, um, you know, eventually they realize that their original goal, you know, they convince themselves that living in the past, they need to live in the future. Like that's kind of seen that a couple times before. What I was really given the world we live in today, like you have this, you know, the different thing about this story is that he's a guy who travels and reads the news to people. So I was surprised it wasn't more about like, you know, you live in the, in the wild West where there's like no accountability for that. Mm-hmm. So, and you like, um, you know, you, you go to these towns and like, you're, you're helping these people who can't or don't want to read or write. Um, and you're able yeah. to tell whatever you want, like, despite like honorably, yes, you would just tell them exactly what you like information you have, but like, there's, you, there's no one to fact check you. And really these people don't really want to hear the news. They just want to hear a story. So the movie starts out like he's really just kind of reading the papers. And by the end of it, especially after he, uh, encounters that like town building guy um you know every time after that he tells the news as like he's telling a story and like and he's not exaggerating it but he's telling it like he is exaggerating it like mm-hmm. i can't believe they survived the fire i can't believe um you know he gets the uh joanna to like do sound effects foley work for his story by the end <laughs> you know like that was the more interesting part so i was like I thought it would have been a more different and engaging movie if they had like leaned into uh, that angle of, you know, what, like how dangerous it is for someone um, to travel in that climate of people who are upset about the war um, and trying to tell them facts, but only reaching them through exaggerating it, you know? Mm, yeah. So actually did we, we haven't talked about the, one of the scenes um, where they're in that, town led by the guy who skins buffalo um and he's trying to get him to read his his version of the paper yeah and he has that great line of like i'm not gonna read this because you guys already know this stuff that's not news yeah yeah like yeah this is pandering yeah it's yeah i i mean i just love this movie i thought it was the cinematography and it was so great the acting was on point and the, the the score was awesome um uh yeah i just love it. and you know the there's the scene where there there's the dust bowl that comes and where he thinks he actually loses her and then he finds out that she was just asking for a horse to help them is pretty great because he thought that she would leave with uh the native americans because that's all she knew and for her to you know, love him as well and just find him a horse. I thought was a really powerful moment. Yeah. It it looks, it looks visually stunning as well. Um, You know, it's like a CGI cloud of dust, but it, it feels appropriate for the kind of movie Greengrass is making. Cause I, I said it, I said it before the, the trailer dropped, like he's making a John Ford Western in a lot of ways, but he's, yeah, He's clarifying it, and I and I sort of I, I do I do agree with Brad in the respect that I wish there was more leaned in on the news telling angle of it because it does feel like it it kind of laces itself in where it needs to, but it's not the focus. Um, but I also don't know 
I don't know how much of a movie can be sustained on it without it being too episodic. Um, so I, I, I guess like for, for right, I would want to read the book that it's based on to see if there's more mm. moments of that. But I, I'm, I'm falling into the camp of like, this is a, a nice, unique Western. Every so often we get a traditionally set Western that's not like a neo-Western or a neo-noir Western, like Let Him Go. Like it's a traditional Western set in that aesthetic. And if you do it correctly, it works in spades. And I think that this one totally knocks it out of the park. It's, I would honestly be hard pressed to like, I'd have to go back through his other films, but right now this is like the best thing I've seen Paul Greengrass ever do. Um, and I know that's coming from a guy who's made stuff like United 93 and, um, uh, Captain Phillips, but for some reason, this film just like connected with me in a way that his other films hadn't before. So, uh, but yeah, great movie, a lot like nice, very wonderful, powerful moments. Cool. Uh, next week, we're doing One Night in Miami, correct? <laughs> yes, we are. I want to see I, that. I movie. think of that or Psycho Gorman, but you know, you <laughs> do One Night in Miami. I, I, I fixed that too. Are you going? Uh, I don't have tickets yet. I got to kind of figure out a because Alamo releases more like show times as it gets closer to the days now. So I got to see when I can squeeze one in. Yeah. I know. They but when are do, you going? Uh, Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do You're Friday working. nights. I'm yeah. working. What's the other one? Psycho Gorman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks insane. But uh, one night in Miami will be our film of the week. I'm not going to make the same mistake I made with creature. <laughs> um, or the, or, or honest thief. I, mean, I, <laughs> I saw a promo for one night, one night in Miami earlier t- tonight, and it looked pretty good. So I would, I'd be down to watch that for sure. Yep. And you can, if you can't make it to theaters, you can stream it on a- Amazon Prime right now. Yep. Very, oh. very nice. <laughs> Zach, did you go into honestly thinking it would be good? <laughs> I, I went. Look, I went in thinking, look, how bad can this be? How bad could it possibly be? They're putting it in theaters. They must have something at least fun on their hands. This trailer must just be garbage to get you into something that's halfway decent. And I was wrong, Brad. I was so wrong. Yeah, so wrong. Your expectations work is like, I just even, expect- even knowing what it is, like <laughs> I'm not, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I've, I've expected to have fun and I had none of that, Brad. I had none of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wish I could be. I wish I could be kinder, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. See you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.